So I'd like to start off this episode of the Letter Storm podcast with a moment of total honesty in which I reveal to you that one of my biggest fears is fish. I can't stand fish. I do not swim in the ocean. I do not swim in the lake. I do not go to aquariums with my kids. Even just talking about fish is making my skin crawl. But today's episode is all about the beauty and mystery and depth that we can encounter when we revisit the familiar. And there's a special focus on the sea. So you know it's going to be good if I was able to put aside my fish fears for 30 minutes to explore this in today's conversation. Welcome to Letters to Women. It's a podcast where we explore and embrace what St. Pope John Paul II called the feminine genius. That is this unique strength and dignity that we have as women and what growing in that looks like in our daily lives. This is not a podcast about defining the quote unquote one perfect way to be a Catholic woman or shoving yourself into a box or trying to meet a set of expectations that you never feel like you're going to meet. Instead, you're going to discover conversations with women in a variety of seasons of life and hear about how they are living out their own unique feminine genius. And these are all offered as encouragement for you to discover more about who you are and how you are called to live out your own feminine genius too. My name is Chloe Langer. I am a Catholic wife and mom living in Kansas City, and I record these conversations after putting my toddlers to bed. And sometimes, like today, they do not go to sleep and they just yell through the entire recording session. So you've been warned, but it's in these normal and loud moments that I do see the feminine genius at work. And I'm mostly saying that out loud as a reminder to myself, because there are some days when discovering this feminine genius can be really challenging, Um, but our gifts and talents as women are so worthy of exploration. And I'm really excited to share this episode with you today. Today, I'm sitting down with Noelle Maring. She's the editor of TheologyofHome.com, and she's the co-author of the Theology of Home book series. And the third installment of that series just launched this summer, and it's all about the sea. We're talking about feminine beauty and mystery, uh, what the sea can reveal to us about our femininity and our motherhood, and the beauty that we can discover when encountering familiar things in our lives with new attention and depth. So if you're spending time on the beach this summer, running around in the waves. Well, I can't say that I would be out in the water with you because fish, but there is something so iconically summer about the ocean that I can't appreciate, especially as we close out this last month of summer here on the podcast. So if you want to bring the beauty and mystery and depth of the sea into your home and even into your soul, this letter is for you. This episode of the Letters to Women podcast is sponsored by the Little Catholic Box, which is a quarterly subscription box for Catholic women. Every quarter, the owner, Erica, curates unique and beautiful Catholic items around a spiritual theme. I love being a subscriber to the Little Catholic Box, but it's also a blessing to the artists and creators and small businesses whose items are featured in these quarterly boxes. This month, they have a special offer for Letters to Women listeners, one of their most popular items. It's so beautiful and fun. Um, it's two for the price of one if you visit the littlecatholicbox.com slash letters. And there's a new deal every month this year for Letters to Women listeners. So head over to the littlecatholicbox.com slash letters to see what this month's bonus is. Now, here's my conversation with Noelle. Today, I am welcoming Noelle Maring back to the Letters to Women podcast. Noelle is a fellow at the Washington, D.C.-based think tank, the Ethics of Public Policy Center. She's the author of Awake, Not Woke, and Theology of Home, as well as the editor of TheologyofHome.com. She lives with her husband and their six children in Southern California. We're going to be talking today about this intertwining of the feminine and the sea and appreciating the mystery of femininity and the beauty of discovering new depth in the familiar. But before we dive in, and that is very 
much a pun intended. Noelle, can you tell me a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman, especially for women who haven't listened to that first episode that we recorded together back in 2020 and who might be meeting you here for the first time today? Uh, I was a cradle Catholic, um, went to public school. I sort of fell away from the faith and then went to onto a Protestant, very evangelical college, and which was really formative, actually, for me. I think that it made me, you know, think about what is true and whether or not God is real. They, you know, had really, there was a really dynam- dy- dynamic faith life lived on the campus. Uh, and that was really appealing. And of course, it made me think of questions about um, how, you know, what Christianity what Christ intended was whether or not the church was true. And I feel like that kind of just maybe just start seeking truths really deliberately in general. Just, I think, I remember thinking, you know, what I perceive to be true, what I understand to be true is going to like really has a power to really transform my life. And, you know, and that, and that once I kind of came to the conclusion through grace and study and prayer that, um, you know, that, that God, Christ was God and that God is real and that the church was right. And then I just was really compelled to this idea that, well, everything, he deserves everything, you know, how, and that, um, how can I just give my entire life to him? And of course, it's very hard to give him everything because we are weak and vicious people sometimes, often, and growth and virtue is hard in a lifelong project. So, but I had that, you know, very romantic kind of, you know, desire to really, to do, to really give him what he deserved, which was, you know, my daily life and my inner life my and my offer my struggles and all of that so uh, what really helped me was my husband who I met at the Protestant college became a Catholic and he became a fantastic amazing Catholic a <laughs> <laughs> way better than I was and uh, I think just through years of seeing him grow in prayer grow in virtue it's just been so helpful for me and still a daily struggle obviously but um you know, gosh, even in that struggle, you see God's mercy so much and how much we need him. And, you know, that's so that's really been, I think, such a beautiful thing in my life is just to really keep struggling and keep trying to grow closer to him. I was reading a Padre Pio quote, which I will butcher as I paraphrase it, but it was talking about how the entire journey of the Christian life is about dying to self. And mm. oh my goodness, every time someone mentions something like the Lord deserves everything, it's just such a good gut check as, oh, I... I don't give him everything. There are things that I that I still am holding on to years into it. So this is this is a good reminder. Thank you. Oh, it's so true. So true. Even if I sleep if I sleep lay in bed a little bit, lingering in bed, I think, ah, oh, I'm I'm it's really hard to give him everything. So I just want to give not give him the next five minutes while I lounge in bed and uh, check my phone. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, you can have everything, Lord, but no, yes, it, this school of Instagram, this one is mine. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. So the first installment of theology of home series was all about finding the eternal in the everyday. And then the second installment of Theology of Home was about reclaiming the title of homemaker. And so now you've co-written Theology of Home 3, At the Sea. And I would love to hear about how the most basic element of water inspired this new book and maybe a sneak peek at what readers are going to find when they crack open the cover of the book. Sure. Yeah. So we just, you know, the idea just kind of came, I think Carrie first thought of it, uh, doing something with the sea as a theme. And, um, uh, you know, we I wasn't sure at first what that would look like, but I actually wound up just loving this, using it as a metaphor and mechanism for writing this book. So there's such, so much about it that I think connects to the project Theology of Home. For one thing, water is so commonplace. It's so ordinary, um, but it's also utterly life-giving, you know, and it's used as a beautiful metaphor um, in, throughout scripture, both in the Old Testament and also by our Lord. But it's also ripe in literature, mythology, you know, so much, it's been amused for so many writers, and I think for such good reason, that's just something, there's so much that's so compelling about it, both in the way that we are compelled by it, that we are mesmerized by it, but 
in a way that it also it induces us to recreate, um, you know, makes us become little kids again in a way, you know, hmm. we play at the water and, you know, even that, that it's a recreation, even that there's something that's very kind of prolific and maternal about that kind of creation, recreation. But there's also something really dangerous about it, right? You know, there's a, you know, there's a, there can be a harrowingness about being on the sea and a desperate need for protection. So, so there's a lot of rich stuff going on there, you know, both with and connecting to womanhood and motherhood, but also to, I think, the spiritual life, the church, and uh, and our journey through life itself. So what, what, what people can expect, and it is similar to the other Theology of Home books, you know, it's really important to us that we make a something that's very visually beautiful. Um, and that's really deliberate, I think, because we think, you know, I think we as women tend to be so compelled by visuals. And I think so much of the way women have been kind of propagandized to has been through visual mediums, mm. popular culture mm -hmm. and magazines and TV and movies. And so to do something, you know, project, more projects that are really encouraging, not just kind of criticizing things, the way things have gone wrong, but actually promoting and putting forward a positive vision of what a beautiful life is, the beauty of home, the beauty of family, the beauty of, you know, serving each other and um, in relationship. So that's what they can expect to find. We also did something new with this book, which is we invited a handful of women to contribute just little, you know, maybe 250 to 500 word meditations from their own life about what the sea has meant to them. And they range greatly from, you know, something sort of just sweet and uh, sentimental and, and dear to something kind of more powerful, you know, really powerful or even kind of showing the darkness of the sea. So that was a really fun element, I think, made it become really dynamic, too. Yeah, I think that's more or less what we can expect. The same beautiful photography from our friend Kim Bale is throughout. I would love to hear a little bit more. So so this summer, I've been focusing on this idea of the beauty of friendship with other women. And you've worked alongside Carrie Grass and Kim Bale in each of the Theology of Home book projects. What has that experience been like? What does creating a book with friends look like practically? And then how has these how have these projects impacted your friendships? Gosh, that's such a good question. Uh, well, Carrie and I met in 1997. We were in grad school together, Franciscan. Um, and then we we just lost touch for, for, for a number of years as our lives took different turns. But um, so we've just really reconnected around 2017. And so have wow. been working rather tensely together since then. So we, um, you know, we're, we're talking every day, multiple times a day, just working on so many different projects. And it's been so, it's been great because, you know, I think with the first book, at first it was kind of tricky. So she had, you know, she'd been writing books for years. And so she was far more experienced than I. So it was great to really defer and lean on her expertise. Um, but we also found that I think we have really different gifts in and um, we'd write kind of differently. We're really different in personality, but we're so united in the history that we have with, with one another and our, in a, and also in our, you know, the, the faith is so, it's so uniting. So it's wound up becoming not differences that were caused any tension so much as just we're totally complimentary. So it's, it's been great. She has gifts I don't have and vice versa. And so I think it's been it's a real deepening of, of a friendship that was already, you know, already felt so good and deep. Kim is actually the, rather the opposite. She's a newer friend. I knew her through mutual friends where she lives. She's local to my town. And it's just been an utter, utter delight working with her. I think Carrie and I just, we're just have just been blown away by just, she's a dear, wonderful, lovely, just wonderful woman. I can't say enough about her. And her husband, Mark, has been along for the ride. We actually dedicated this book, late, latest book, to his, his dear mother, who has passed away. And she was in our first Theology of Home book. So she felt like a special part of this project and someone that they both just love so much. So, so yeah, it seems like they've become really part of our family in this way um in a very sweet way but so that it's been it's been great i mean i don't you know i don't think that that's probably normal i think it's probably really hard to work intensely with people and not you know have a lot of tension develop but it's you know there you know there might be 
things here or there where there's disagreements, but it's not been any, it's really been so minor. It's just, so we're really, really blessed that way. I love that. I love to the seasons of friendship between you and Carrie to have this connection in grad school and then to lose touch and then reconnect in such a powerful way. I think so often it can be difficult to surrender what a friendship looks like in the life cycles of different seasons and what that means for friendship and to, to realize that there there can be connection points so in different seasons and way later on than maybe you, you would have expected. Yeah, well said. That's exactly right. I loved how you mentioned both Greek mythology, classic literature, the sea we generally think about it in feminine terms. We refer to boats with feminine pronouns. Can you tell me a little bit more about this intertwining of the feminine and water and what it reveals to us about what it does mean to be a woman and how how does that view of the feminine compare to the present view that society is is holding up for us? Mm, that's a really rich question. Well, there's, you know, there's this kind of primordial understanding of the sea as this great mother and you reflected in, in the phrase mother nature um, that story after story has themes of a great mother's involvement in bringing out about create creature nature life with the idea that you know it all, that that great mother also points to sort of an intense bond between child and mother that we are sort of prim primordially have this instinct that you know we are the child of nature in some way um you know in a pagan way and i think that that is really evocative for for one thing there's the theme of creation, procreation, um, but also it connects very beautifully to our understanding of what womanly nature is. So, you know, many have written about this before, notably Edith Stein, that that women are, you know, meant to contain to and, and to improve um, what we what we take into our prayer life, into our hearts, into our souls, and, you know, by a lot, you know, into our very bodies and, and biological motherhood, that these are beautiful tasks given to women to contain, feed, transform, transport, even that word transport references sea, you know, sh ships from port to port. And, and, I, and I, I think that's such a beautiful concept and so contrary, as you indicate to sort of our contemporary understanding of what is womanly or what women ought to be, how they ought to move through the world. You know, I think we're so replete with phrases about women being empowered that, you know, in, in a way that's been that just feels so normal now. You almost can't escape it. Every We all grew up with those, all of that language, girl power, and fierce like a girl and all of that. And, and that was really ideologically you know, done intentionally, I think. Uh, and so in large part, you know, I think one of the reasons why we really were compelled by the sea idea is just that sometimes it's easier to see truths about ourselves in a, in a confusing time by ideology if we take it outside of ourselves. So if we see something beautiful about and true about the nature of the sea, um, that it requires reverence for its nature, that it actually has some sort of a stable nature. And that, and then in that seeing it in the, in the sea, we can sort of then see it more clearly in ourselves. But yeah, but it's a, you know, in some ways we talk about this in the book too, so it seems like a man's world. And it's always about men sailing the sea, but, but as you say that, that boat, you know, boats are named after women, the church as you know, is often uses nave, naval, you know, the nave and boat, um, sea for imagery, just that there is something real about that kind of carrying us through this journey through life that we're on a pilgrimage to destination, not you know, just to be bandied about by the waves, but rather um, to be pilgrims, not, you know, not wanderers. Um, and, I, and I really love that about that connection to the sea, the church and women, women as well. I loved particularly the parts of the book where you talked about this connection between the sea and maternity. And I think that when it comes to the societal conversation on what does it mean to be a woman, it's a question that, that's getting thrown around a lot blatantly these days. It's just this the way that society has forgotten the this beauty of motherhood and this capacity of women to bear life. And we've separated from that from what it means to be a woman and to see this so embedded in something 
as natural as the sea was just a beautiful reminder of just this is an essence. This is an essence of femininity. Um, and to see that reflected in something, yeah, in something outside of ourselves, I think was a really beautiful way to just shine a light on it, I think. Yeah, no, I think that that's exactly right. Um, and, you know, that's in, in so many ways that that we are so, so destabilized on such a very fundamental level as our motherhood, that that's been taught to us as being something that is, I mean, in the, you know, in some of you know, some of the some literature, it's really ubiquitous that, that motherhood is to be utterly rejected, mm-hmm. not just kind of seen as something to put aside, to, to not prioritize, but actually something that is oppressive to us, that our very bodies and our very natures are something that's oppressive. I think the nice thing is that it, the truth is really, you know, becomes clear if when you, you know, really consider all of these connections. Um, and, I, and I'm hoping, you know, that's what our hope was with the book, that this, you know, can really be something that reveals and rem- reminds us about these deep truths that I think we all know, you know, in our in our hearts and in our minds. Let's dive into another aspect of this cultural battle that we're seeing. In the book, you write that we're used to thinking of women as being mysterious, and men often comment on how they will never understand them. And while it may be a cliche, there is some truth to the idea that men seem to be far less complex than women. How do we grow in an appreciation of this mystery of our femininity as women without falling into the trench of this cultural battle of the sexes that we're seeing that was a fun thing to for Carrie and I to dive into. So, this idea that you, that's another aspect of how the sea bearing similarity to women is that that sort of idea that there's these dark, deep recesses. And I think that you know we say these cliches like, oh, you know, men will say, well, I'll never understand women. Those things are for a reason. You know, it's kind of a funny cliche, but it's also that I think women are just emotionally tend to be more complicated, more complex. That men are sort of you know out and out like outward facing more focused on activity and doing things and tools and all that. And and that women really are that sort of taking in, you know, that we have these deep parts of ourselves and that um, we play with the idea of buried treasure, um, that there is, you know, that, that, that there's something really special and beautiful about that, that, you know, that has to be kind of revealed slowly. You don't see it on the surface. It's something that is held deeply within her, um, that men are actually supposed to prote- protect and cherish. That depth is meant to be from really diving into our spiritual lives, into our ability to dive deeply into our womanly nature that is meant for the good of others. So that service is at the heart of the Christian mission, whether it's male or female, but that, but the body of the woman points to that service in a really particular way. In a way, I think that's why the body of the woman is so rejected by ideology, um, because it really points to the fact that we're vulnerable and that we're meant to, we're meant, we belong to each other. We're meant for each other. And and that woman, the body of the woman says that directly, speaks of that truth, speaks that and reveals that truth so directly. So we, so we really play with the idea of, you know, are we meant to wade along the shallow and in the sediment and, you know, um, kind of flit about uh, amongst the waves, you know, as, as as we as we all struggle to or are tempted to do as we you know can become kind of at the whims of our emotions you know not directing our emotions but really just kind of vulnerable to them and letting them kind of rule us be it envy or or anger or you know sadness or or what have you or are we able through um, diving more deeply into the interior life of the soul through prayer and through contemplation um, and through you know really scrutinizing our, our behavior and where these kind of emotions are coming from, what they're leading us to, and through all those that hard work, kind of develop that depth and that, that treasure that's meant to be, I think, within our souls and within our hearts. So, you know, that's a lifelong struggle as well. But I, I you know, I just love that image of, you know, clearing away the sediment through evaluating and 
through our lives and, uh, and through our you know sacrament reconciliation in particular um, and through the grace of all the sacraments certainly but it, it, it's hard work but I think you know it's you know the pearl of great price is you know our relationship with Christ and even a pearl is um, we do have a little bit in the book about you know the pearl is a formed I won't get into it but it's formed based to protect a, a wound and, and I love that image too what that can tell us as well. Yeah, I love this phrase, the hard work of growing in the depth of our own, because that is so accurate how it is. It is so challenging, especially when revisiting places where, oh, I, I thought I'd, I had healed from that or I have already I thought I'd already discovered the depths of this part of my of my emotions or of my heart. And so to revisit and revisit and revisit, I think is is very challenging very challenging. And <laughs> emotions can feel overwhelming, yes. right? It can feel like, I don't know how to conquer this emotion right now because I so overcome it. Over, you know, it's overwhelming to me. It's it's very hard. But then that, even that reveals to us our need, how much we need grace, how much we need our Lord. I love to, in this book, revisiting a title of Our Lady that may, for some listeners, be familiar, for some listeners, be totally new, but Our Lady's name has long been associated with water with, and Stella Maris, the star of the sea, and how that's one of her oldest titles. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of that Marian title? and then how it impacts our experience of maternity as women today. Yeah, so, so that's usually attributed to St. Jerome in the 5th century. It was became so popular that sailors for centuries have, you know, uttered that name, that name for Our Lady when, you know, they're lost at sea or when that, that image of it, total dark and you can't kind of get your bearings, you can't see, you know, where there's no guidepost um, and that the idea of following a star could be kind of like a GPS for them, you know, when, they're, when they felt utterly hopeless. What an apt uh, image that is for Our Lady. And, and what, do we, what, do, what is the, the prayer that we're asking if we, uh, you know, what are, what's, what are sailors asking her to do? They're asking her to help guide them home. Um, and that in so many ways, that's really what all of us want. We, we, we want to be guided home. We want to be home in this earth, but we also want to develop, nurture a good home, but we also want that because we want to go into to our to the, to, into our heavenly home but that idea of that guide st thomas aquinas wrote about her too as um, mary meaning star of the sea because of mariners being guided by her um, so it's got a lot of rich history um to it but i just love that idea of you know there's so many stories that uh that, you know, throughout history of you know, uh, fog suddenly clearing or st- storms being calmed or sailors being saved from drowning, winds picking up sail because of sailors uttering the name of Mary or, or praying the rosary or yeah, it's it's it's, it's really beautiful and, a, and an apt name for her. The very introduction of this book, you shared a phrase that St. Josemaria Escriva used to describe the experience of going deeper into the interior life to discover new insights about what we already know or maybe what we've heard over and over and over. And I love how he calls this the new Mediterraneans. And there's something, I think there's sometimes a temptation for us, whether that's in our interior lives or in conversation or even in our our daily lives, to discover something. We want to discover something totally new, something we've never seen, we've never experienced before. What can happen in our interior lives as women when we take a fresh look at the familiar, whether that's a a scripture that we've heard heard over and over and over throughout our lives or a story or something as as natural and as, as basic as the element of water? Yeah, no, I love that image to new Mediterraneans. I think about that a lot in prayer. But in some ways, it's really a great, it's really the heart of love. And, you know, a lot, I mean, you think about, you know, people say, you know, from a secular perspective, you can say, how can I be in love with one person my entire life who I know so well, who I see every day, who I see, you know, in their worst. But that really is the project of love is staring at that same person and saying, 
oh my goodness, I discover something about you. I see you in a new way. And it's not because we're discovering something new, rather it's because the depth of the human soul is unfathomably deep. You know, seeing our Lord through another human being um, is always going to feel fresh and new again. Um, and that's part of our prayer life too, but it's also part of our caring for a home, <laughs> that homemaking gets tedious and it's um, repetitive um, as, as are so much of work and life. Uh, but really that so much of the trick of doing something with love and sanctifying our activity is by seeing it in a new, a new way to sanctify ourselves, the people we are, who are around us and to, and to offer it up to our Lord and offer it up in, a, in our, our best work possible. But yeah, so it's, a, it's a, you know, again, one of those rich connections from our, our interior life of prayer to our daily washing of dishes to our, you know, relationships with the, the people that we love the most as well. So we have talked about so many different aspects of the sea that you have written really beautifully about in this new theology of home book. And, and we could talk for a long time, but it wouldn't do this book justice because it's so visually beautiful. And to sit with these stories and these thoughts and to look at these images, where can listeners pick up a copy of Theology Home 3 at the sea? And then also where can they connect with you and learn about Theology of Home Projects um, 1 and 2 for the books, and then your other book, Awake Not Woke. Sure. All, all of our books are available on our website, theologyofhome.com, um, that's, and they're also available on all wherever books are sold, also through our publisher, Tan Books. Theologyofhome.com, we have a, you can subscribe there for free, and that keeps us connected. We send a daily email that's curated with all sorts of different links, podcasts, you know, with anything from theolo- theological stuff to how to organize your closet. <laughs> so um, that's a really fun, been a really fun project Harry and I've been doing for years now. I also have a personal website, noelmaring.com. So we're pretty easy to find. We're on Instagram and um, Facebook too. The last, the last thing that I ask you is the same question that um, I ask women who come on the show, which is this, how do you live out the feminine genius in your daily life? Especially for our conversation tonight, as you share the beauty of the familiar with others and remind us that this world is not our home. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's a, such a wonderful question. It's, um, you know, it's almost, our work is so connected to how to help women remind women about how beautiful womanhood is that it feels like the role of women so much as in that relational way is you know striving to bring out the best in each other and i have had wonderful women in my life that have really mentored me and also just been great examples for me and i think that there's something really womanly about that about really caring for the other person and trying to bring make them the best you know in a way that's not competitive you know that that kind of dark side of, you know, womenly relationships that can turn comparing to comparing and competition, um, but rather like that, that, that the real, that real, the real feminine genius of being able to actually make it turn it outside into an act of love. Um, I also think that I, you know, obviously my family life, this is, you know, trying, striving to be the, the person who makes everyone feel deeply loved in our family. And um, I like to snuggle and all that. <laughs> I feel like that's part of the feminine genius. But then finally, I guess I would say in, in my more kind of more con- not controversial but you know awake not woke is a different type of book it's kind of more uh getting more political um, more ideological but uh or combating the ideological ideology more directly but i think that i i think i really strive to even do that in a womanly way in a way that is motivated by care for persons and concern for the way that they're harmed through a destructive ideology so i guess in those various ways i'm striving to live out the feminine genius I love it. Thanks for sharing that and for, for coming on the show. It's been a, a great to spend an evening with you chatting about the sea and the theology of our homes. And yeah, it's been wonderful to have you back on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Chloe. It's been great. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Letters to Women. Check out the show notes for my conversation with Noelle on my website, letterstowomenpodcast.com. Or if you're listening in a podcast player, you can just scroll down to find links to Theology of Home 3 at the C, as well as the Daily of Theology Home email newsletter and how to connect with Noelle on her website. You're also going to find a link to the Little Catholic Box so you can get their beautiful Mary Garden towel. There's also a link to sign up for my monthly newsletter, Naptime Notes. I write that during those rare coordinated nap times that my toddler give me. Each month I share what I'm reading, what I'm listening to, the library books that I'm reading and rereading with our girls, and then these just tiny changes that we're making around our house that are making big differences. So the August issue of the newsletter is going to go out this week, so click on that subscribe link in the show notes so you don't miss it. If the conversations that you hear on Letters to Women are something that you recommend to a friend or you enjoy listening to, maybe you listen as you fold the laundry or as you're getting ready. Where it's so it's it seems so early to be dropping kids off in car line, but that's what's happening because it's the school year is starting up. So maybe you're listening as you're dropping your kids off to school or however wherever I find you, however I'm coming to you through your earbuds or your car speakers. I, if you love these podcasts, it is such an honor when you share them with friends. Maybe it comes up in conversation. I love asking people what podcast they're listening to. And if you share this with others, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It is so, it is an honor uh, to explore this topic with you. And it is an honor that you would share this conversation with others. So you can hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any future episodes. We're going to continue this conversation on friendship with women. I have two more conversations for you to round out this series on women, friendship with other women. One is going to be on friendship in different seasons of life, and one is going to be on vulnerability in friendship. So if either of those topics spark a question for you, that you would love to see me chat about with guests, then you can send me an email, letters to women at gmail.com. And then I will ask your questions to the guests who are coming on uh, the show. At the end of the series, I'm going to be choosing one listener from everyone who submitted a question and sending them signed copies of my new book, Sisterhood, Giving and Receiving the Gift of Friendship. And if you don't want to wait till the end of the series to see if you're the giveaway winner, you could always purchase this book anywhere that you pick your books up. That is all I have for today's episode. So until next time, be not afraid.